0: Of the, world, top of the top hello and welcome to our Wonder Woman podcast the main podcast for the business magazine for women.com. in our podcast just like in our magazine we're focused on promoting women's voices in business technology stem politics sports arts and culture we are changing how women are represented in the media in order to change how society sees women so that we move towards a more balanced society that allows humans to be human that allows women and men to be all that they can and want to be, regardless of what society and quote-unquote normal means. This drive for equality, or better yet, this move towards fairness in representation in our business and personal lives will drive positive change in society, but it will also help the corporate world increase revenues and reduce costs. My name is Monica Antohi, I'm the founder of The Business Magazine for Women.com and today's host. In today's podcast, we're looking at the financial aspect of startups and venture capital funds and what is the women's role in status there. Today, we're speaking with Dr. Sarah Brand. She's currently the founding general partner at True Wealth Ventures, a venture capital firm out of Austin, Texas, and their main focus is funding women-led startups, which is rare, but what's rarer is the fact that the general partners there are, in this case, both women. Even though their investor base is not comprised entirely by women, which is a good thing, it is good to see that at least we can point to one venture capital fund that is 100% led by women. This is a very enlightening conversation about the state of startups in the country, the funding that goes to women-run startups, and the number of women at the decision-making levels across corporations and startups, and the differences between a company with a boardroom comprised of all men versus a company with a boardroom comprised with a more balanced ratio of male to female. But before I get you to our podcast, I'd like to mention, actually I'd like to bring about the Business Magazine Foreman's first annual conference, um, aptly named, more women more money coming up in january in houston texas where our keynote speakers and panels will focus on creating the space for bringing more women at the decision-making levels within corporations in a drive to yes bring a more equal business world but also in a drive to increase revenue for corporations that subscribe to this business approach if you want to learn more head on over to morewomenmoremoney.com and stay up to date with the speakers coming up and the ways that you can get involved Tickets are also available for purchase, so head on over to morewomenmoremoney.com and get your early bird discount. We're looking forward to seeing you there. Now, let's get you to our conversation with Sarah. I would like to introduce everybody. So, hello, Dr. Brand.
1: Hi. Hi. Okay, great to be here. Um,
0: I'm actually going to go back down and call you Sarah. It's going okay, to be please. easier for you. <laughs> So let's start by getting a bit of background on um, on you, and, and tell our listeners um, who you are, and, and how did you get to become, um, you know, a starting fund, uh, uh, um, you know, how did you get to work in venture capital? So
1: my first round in venture capital, I kind of lead up to that, and there's sort of a second story of how I got back into venture capital. Um, But my education um, was all mechanical engineering, actually. So I got my undergrad at UT Austin, and then went to Berkeley for my master's and PhD, and um, spent some time in technical roles at Intel and Applied Materials, really focused on uh, the semiconductor electronics industries. And then uh, shifted gears, I actually, my focus for my research work and my PhD was in green design and manufacturing and I got minors in public health and energy and resources so I was really interested in greening up the electronics industry realizing during my lifetime that one of the biggest impacts for an environment would be electronics with the heavy metals used with the you know in production with the energy used during their useful lives with Um, The shorter and shorter lives of of the devices and proliferation devices. So um, had, you know, technical roles in, in that area and then kind of ran up the career ladder as far as I could, actually, in the environmental space. And they wanted me to do things that weren't motivating to me. They weren't anything to do with environment. So I shifted years and went into strategic management consulting. So I worked at McKinsey and Company out in the San Francisco office where the head of the semiconductor practice sat. So I was very comfortable with the industry, but doing non-technical work there. And then um, from there, went into venture capital, also out in the Bay Area. That was just the perfect balance of work for me because I didn't want to use my, lose my technical roots. And so I wanted to stay relevant and meet with entrepreneurs and think about, you know, the The next challenges and solutions to the next challenges technically Um, but really really liked being hands-on with the portfolio companies as well and wearing more of that management consulting hat so that was my uh, path for getting into venture capital originally and um, knew it was the place for me and that that was the perfect blend for me of using my technical and in business
0: Skills, and, and also the fact that you know so much about technology it 's probably very easy for you to actually look at companies that are super tech heavy because you would understand everything that's happening behind so it's it's a huge bonus you don't just come with the money you come with the knowledge as well so and, 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 and the business consulting as well so you're the full package when it comes to you know what you offer uh, as a venture capital. Um, you know, uh, uh, woman? <laughs> yeah, well, I
1: thought sort of. I mean, I, for me, it was the full package. But then I realized uh, to be an, even a more effective venture capitalist, I wanted to get more operational experience, mm-hmm. not just be a management consulting consultant telling people, you know, what I think they should do yeah. and then leaving. Um, uh, but that's why I, I actually went to go, uh, be you know in an operational role in a company before coming back into venture capital and so I joined uh, advanced micro devices actually um, working directly for the CEO and just it was a great opportunity and had several you know operational roles where I ran different business units there but also spent a lot of time working on big strategic mA types of um, projects across the company so saw a lot of the other side of the venture capital equation of these VC backed companies getting you know diligenced and valued and and acquired and then integrated ultimately into a much larger company um, so that's what actually brought me back to Austin as well so I Although leadership for AMD sits in Austin.
0: Okay. So, um, yeah. Yes. We, we we know you're in Austin, and you were in um, the the Valley, you know, the Silicon Valley, a long time, and you were in New York as well for a little bit. No, okay. no New York. I think I, I go remember. to New York a lot, but
1: I've never been there.
0: <laughs> Maybe that's why I remember seeing an interview with you in New York. Uh, probably that's what happened. Yeah. Um, so right now you're the co-founder at um, True Wealth Ventures right? So it's a capital firm that is led by women and it's funding women startups. Yep. What spurred the creation of the company? So, and, and you want to talk about a little bit about the company and about how did you guys do this? Sure,
1: I'll start with sort of what led me to this um, this idea, which was you know back at um, AMD I spent a little over ten years there and you know got a lot of operational experience under my belt more than I originally intended to, but it was a very busy time. Uh, There's a lot of turnover. I worked for three of the four CEOs during my tenure, you know directly. So it felt like many different companies in a way. And I had two kids at that time. I co-founded a company with my husband during that time, so I was just kind of like holding on to life. You know, for, yeah. Exactly. Um, And uh, so during the later part of my tenure there, I was asked to be the executive sponsor of their global women's forum because I was the only woman who was a vice president who had any technical or operational background out of, I think at the time it was about 15,000 employees. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that was really eye opening. I didn't believe them at first. Actually, I thought they were just trying to, you know, twist my arm to do another volunteer type of, you know, Thing and I didn't need another volunteer assignment, um, but I looked at the list of about 12 VPs and realized, yep, they're in HR or legal or marketing or um, finance, but mm-hmm. I was it in terms of, you know, technical exactly. operational. Um, and so that really opened my eyes to the fact that I had been unaware of it until that point, you know, that they had to point it out to me and prove it, um, but because <laughs> I was the list. Yeah, exactly. Um, I was a mechanical engineer where literally I had the bathroom to myself, I joke around about, but it was true. And then, you know, start a brewery where we hired all men. Um, We did hire our first woman. Um, But, you know, semiconductors and venture capital are all very, very male-dominated. So I just had been so blind to it because I was so used to it that then I was really alarmed that I hadn't realized this and so started doing my homework to see how that had happened and, you know, what should I do with this group or or should I even do anything with this group in terms of this you know global women's forum and came across this McKinsey and company study that showed from uh, it was a it was a work done I think in 2012 called Women Matters and it was one of their first research papers in this space Uh, they've done a lot more since then but it was basically a big database of publicly traded mainly companies and they found that the top quartile of those companies with the most women in senior leadership positions saw I think it's 41% higher turn on equity 56% higher EBIT margins so just tremendous financial outperformance so I started getting them really interested in numbers yeah exactly how to move the needle and what other big especially tech companies had done to move the needle and then realizing I wanted to get back into venture capital um, started looking at those numbers and saw the same financial outperformance of women-led companies um, a yet, uh, a even larger disparity in terms of who was focused on this or who was, you know, the women in venture or the women entrepreneurs getting venture dollars. Um, and then I actually realized I had never met another woman in venture. And that's where oh, I really wow. had my aha moment of like, wow, this is, this is crazy because I was thinking it's going to take a long time for, Corporate America right. you know, to move the needle, and I really started to appreciate that as I tried to, you know, change it from within. Under, yeah, exactly. And then, um, and then I thought, well, in venture capital, that's really actually a th- tremendous opportunity because VC's um, well, can invest in multiple new companies every year out of their funds so they can take the latest data and invest with it. And so I figured I'd actually miss the boat and uh, started looking at it. But thought, do you know? <laughs> yeah. Right, I had not missed the boat. <laughs> and so that's when everything just kind of came together and I realized I've never met another woman. There's there's nobody in Texas doing this, nobody in the whole like southern, southwestern, central US doing this. There were about half a dozen funds on the coasts that had, you know, VC funds that had any kind of gender diversity strategy. Um, and so I just realized I have to do this. This is the best business opportunity I've ever seen. And I have a lot of opinions of how it should be done, you know, so (laughs) I need to just do it. Um, and that's when I met Carrie is I I started telling people I've never met another woman in venture capital and you know, I'm going to start this fund. And, um, several people actually introduced me to her. She had just moved back from um, Philadelphia where she was the CEO of dream adventures And uh, she had just raised a $20 million fund and started what was called Dream It or is called Dream It Athena, which was the first women entrepreneurs focused and kind of bolt on program at a top tier accelerator. Nice. So she was really, you know, appreciative of the challenges and the opportunity and came on as um, an advisor. You know, we just had lunch and obviously, you know. Uh, It turned
0: into a lot more.
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And then she just started advising me because she just raised a $20 million fund. But then by the time I started fundraising, um, she joined on board because she couldn't stay away. That's awesome.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And obviously, this is what led you to to fund women. Um, You saw the numbers in the industry. You saw what it means to have more women in leadership positions within companies and how that whole company dynamic changes and it becomes more cooperative and how it's being seen by, not just by the employees, but by the consumers as more human, um, how it you know, increases revenue and so on and so on. Um, yet in venture capital, 96% is men. Yeah, so the funds belong to 96% of the men. Um, um, Yeah, basically. So how is that possible? Where are the women? Um, And why are we having more women in venture capital? Uh, How is that possible? Yeah, I mean, I don't, how is it possible?
1: I don't know. <laughs> but I can tell you, I think, you know, why we need more women in venture capital. Um, and, and the numbers have gone down. I think they were around 10% in 99 of VC partners yeah. were women. And then it's gone down and down. And so now there's different studies showing, you know, whatever single digit number of partners in the VC world today are women. But most of those partners are general counsels or CFOs or COOs or like venture partners that literally firms put on the website to make themselves look,
0: you know, the verse. Yeah.
1: But the um, estimate of how many of those um, partners are actually making investment decisions and leading deals and deciding which companies are going to invest in and joining the boards is estimated to be 1% of the VC partners are women. That's worse than I thought it was. I know. (laughs) I hope it's changing, oh. you know, frankly, with all the attention in the industry. But so far, uh, the numbers have been heading in the wrong direction, actually. But what's positive, just on two quick positive notes to yes. get the more levity into the conversation, is that uh, <laughs> it, for angel investors, those numbers have gone, been increasing okay. over the same so time, at time the period. Lower so level,
0: at the lower level, w- women are more active. And yes, exactly. More com- do you think it's a comfort level? Um, uh, I think
1: there have been a lot of programs that have been focused on, um, it, you know, training women of capacity to be angel investors. Okay. And so I, I think that the needle has moved recently because it was less than 5%, you know, in the 99 era. And now it's up to, I think the latest ACA numbers, the Angel Capital Association is like 22% or something.
0: Wow. Or women. Pretty good. I mean, it's well. still...
1: Twenty-two percent or whatever, but much better than one.
0: Twenty-two percent <laughs> is our numbers in politics. So yeah, yeah, we know but what's happening there.
1: Increasing, but it's been steadily increasing. So I think it, there's been a lot of attention on on uh, training and you know and getting uh, women uh, investors uh, I- engaged, you know, with their own building their own portfolios and investing in their own communities. Whereas I think in the venture capital ecosystem, yeah. it's uh, this really uh, old school—the epitome of the old boys network, right? I mean, it's right. just—it's not like you hire for a venture capital partner and have a diverse candidate slate. You know, you're it's you're in this firm for a decade before you have maybe the opportunity to have a partner level position, or you've made you know a lot of money as an in Independent entrepreneur and then you bring your own wealth to a VC fund, you know, or, you know, somebody, you know, and you've been so it's not like a a typical situation where, where you can disrupt that industry quickly. There's not a motivation to do that, or a supportive like infrastructure in order to diversify. So anyway, um, I think that's why the numbers have been so bad for women. And frankly, the women that have done well in the industry are have left, right? And they they've, right. they've been pretty vocal about that. Of like, I don't need to put up with this type of environment. There's many other things I can do with my career. Um, and maybe it's becoming an active angel investor themselves, you know, and building their own portfolio. Um, but so that's one positive data point, but the reason we need more women investors at the, you know, venture capital decision-making right. tables yeah is that even without a gender diversity strategy, when there are women partners at VC funds, they are two times as likely to invest in a, a team with a woman founder, and three times more likely to invest in a company with a woman CEO. So that's, that's just natural human behavior, that's not you know, based on any gender lens investment strategy or anything. So that's, that's, I think, very important, obviously, to get more women at the table, just so right. more women entrepreneurs get the money to scale their ideas. Uh, But then also there was a really interesting study that came out that showed that when women investors, women VC investors, invest in women entrepreneurs, the chance of a successful exit increases by uh, 32.1%. Oh, wow. uh, That's
0: uh, versus versus a a male investor.
1: Right. Yes. So there's some kind of magic that happens when women are investing in women. And, you know, the study didn't say why, you know, because who knows? Of course it is. (laughs) Like, I don't understand any of the social dynamics, really, of like a why, but we just go on the numbers. We're investing on the numbers.
0: (laughs) I I think we can communicate easier. I mean, I'm not saying that we can't communicate really well with men. That's not at all what I'm saying. But I think there's a deeper level of understanding sometimes when there's a woman-to-woman conversation. And sometimes men could be intimidated by that, or they might not understand all the nuances of what we're saying. So... Yeah. part of it could be that but mm-hmm. um, anyway for whatever you and your partner Carrie are doing thank you because um, we represent what we represent we, we showcase a lot of women founders female founders in every issue and it's it's sad the number of women led startups versus male led startups and as it is they're not getting the exposure that they need and we're doing the best mm-hmm. we can so getting them in front of women investors it's spectacular. It's really, really good. I'm, I'm so glad to, to, to speak with you today and to introduce you to everybody that that's listening to us usually and um, going to be reading the magazine. So um, super excited and thank you so much for what you guys are doing. Um, uh, South by Southwest, I was on you know in, in a in a room with you um, on the women investing in women, and um, you actually said something like, "It's not male investors against women entrepreneurs; it's culture against women entrepreneurs." Um, right. Can you please elaborate on that? Because I think that's a super important fact.
1: Yeah, it is important, I think, uh, for women entrepreneurs to understand that. Because there was uh, a great piece of work, um, well, not great results, but very enlightening results um, from the Columbia Business School, looking at tech crunch disrupt, you know, pitch competition. Yes. yes. Oh, man. Yes. 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 And so there's a really good article that was in the Harvard Business Review, like last June, I think it was, sometime last summer. Yeah, and it really just showed all of the investors' questions to the women entrepreneurs and the men entrepreneurs. And despite whether they were, you know, women or 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 men investors, they consistently asked the women more prevention oriented questions right. like, well, you know, what if this happens or you know, what are your mitigation plans for this? Whereas they consistently ask the the men um, promotion oriented questions yeah. of like, well, how much bigger could it be? Right. Or what if I give you ten million, then what? Or, you know, and so there's just these little knife cuts uh, of question after question when you're asking a woman all these risk mitigation questions versus you're throwing curveballs to the you know, or not 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 that's not the right I yeah, shouldn't right. do some course analogies. <laughs> the you're giving them a layup, you're giving the guys a layup. <laughs> and so um, so as women entrepreneurs, understanding that there's a cultural bias that you have to overcome when you're presenting your solutions right. and reorient those prevention-oriented questions to promotion-oriented questions. And it takes some practice and some awareness um, and not getting frustrated, which is easy to do when you see it happening. you know.
0: I want to get to that a little bit later, but <laughs> I want to talk about culture and how important culture is in any sort of conversation when it comes to money and women uh, investing in women versus men so how do we change that culture like can you give us like one specific step that we can start implementing right now yes. that would improve culture you know by this much <laughs> mm-hmm. so then you know we can at least get it moving in the right direction
1: I'm not sure if this is how you think I'd answer the question, but it's my answer, which is I think women understanding that the power that they have as investors is like it's a mindset shift that I think can change everything. Because women are making 85% of consumer purchase decisions, so they're making micro investments literally every day with every dollar they spend, of whether they're, you know, buying something at Walmart That's or great Whole point, Foods yeah. or Amazon. Yeah, and so they're deciding what products and what companies and ultimately what management teams are surviving or not in the market. And so if they think of themselves as investors within that in that context, but also in in healthcare, right? They're making 80% of all healthcare decisions. And it's 18% of our GDP as a country is healthcare spend. And so they're making their health decisions for themselves, their children, their aging parents. Yes, their parents in law, they're often their spouses. Um, And so, you know, that's that's moving markets. And those are just, you know, some of those are dollar investments. Some of those are bigger than that, um, especially in the healthcare arena. But then um, in the macro investment arena too, I think, uh, women. So when we started fundraising, we were told, "Oh, don't actually bother um, trying to fundraise from women because women are really high net worth women are very philanthropic and spend their time thinking about their you know philanthropy, but they have wealth managers to deal with their investments." Yes. And we found that that is another bias, you know, that's not true or has changed or is changing. Um, but women control about 40% of U.S. investable assets today. And it's projected to go up to two thirds of all U.S. investable assets wow. in the next 12 years. So it's the largest shift of wealth that the world has ever seen to U.S. women. Wow. Yes. Is it the and baby so boomer
0: generation? Is that It's a number thing? of things.
1: It's high net worth women are growing self-made, you know, high net worth yes. women growing two X that of men. Also the average, um, with the divorce rates and yes. second marriages, the average widow is now 55. So there's some inheritance, you know, go or whatever yes. that is.
0: Yeah. And then,
1: um, and then the baby boomer generation passing it down, um, yeah, to their, um, well, and women live longer too. Correct. And so, you know. Like anyway, so it's it's a lot of dynamics which which are creating that over the next um, between now and 2030. Um, but if women uh, start, you know, realizing, it, and they are because I've seen it firsthand when raising this fund with how many of our investors are women. Mm-hmm. Really just you know, realizing the power they have, especially women who have been, you know, really high net worth and philanthropic, if you look at a foundation, which is awfully often the same model as people's own personal wealth, you know, foundations have a big endowment that kicks off, you know, two percent a year or whatever it might be, whatever the model is, to put into grants to give away. Well, same thing with your investments. You've got, you know, ninety eight percent of your investments doing what they're doing in the markets and then you're giving 2% away, you can make a massive impact, you know, whatever that is, um, tenfold, you know, if, if more than tenfold, if, you, if you're investing aligned to your values. And so you're investing Correct. in kinds of companies and management teams and products that you want to see more of in the world. And more and more women, I think, are becoming conscious of that. And so, again, I think it's like a mindset thing of, wow, I do, I am an investor, you know, and I do need to be aware of what my portfolio, no matter how small it is, right. is
0: investing in. What I'm investing in. Um, um, actually, that's been a case for the last three, four, maybe five years with um, seeing this trend on, on the consumer side, on the on investor side, looking to invest on things that matter to them like actually mm-hmm. matters to them. So it, it's been more and more prevalent. They're 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 still taking advice from the financial advisors absolutely because, you know, the industry. Right. But at the same time, they want more, you know, investment in in, in the environment. They want more investment yeah. in in tech. They want more investment in things that actually matters to them personally. So, yeah, um, yeah I mean, you know, it's already it's already there. It's already happening. So, um, yeah. and I don't necessarily want to say that this is a millennial necessarily thing but I think they had something to do with, with it yes. in, in, in some ways. Women and millennials. Women and millennials, absolutely. Yeah, and I really and um, so I, I, I see it as a very favorable um, thing that is happening because we're going to stop being blinded by the numbers and just look at the numbers and um, you know what matters to us or what matters to us and the numbers. So right. I think those two and hand in hand, they're much better than just, here's my numbers, I'm making tons of money on stuff that's destroying the environment, that's against women, that's you know, insert all the negative stuff that we've been investing in, um, right. you know, as a as a nation uh, or investors worldwide. Um, <laughs> Want to go back to culture again? Um, uh, based on a, on a previous podcast, we've realized that we really need to have a section, uh, probably a video podcast, um, that's called Women One Hundred and One. Um, can you? <laughs> can and you- what was the con- the content <laughs> would be, um, you know, how we have millennials one-on-one and how to talk to millennials, how to have Uh-oh. a meeting with millennials and how to talk to baby boomers. Nobody's right. talking about how to talk to women. Nobody's talking about how to have a business meeting with a woman that's breaking down your mm-hmm. office because of, a, a, of a, something that's happening. Um, you know, uh, career-wise or business-wise, and she's confiding in you, and you you freak out as her boss because you don't know what to do. So we're taking it upon ourselves to actually go through some of those scenarios and kind of explain it to men and to some women. That is perfectly fine. <laughs> mm-hmm. That this is okay, and it's actually beneficial to the company because you know many many reasons. So do you have a suggestion for us you know, on that? Well, I mean, what
1: what I was thinking of when you're talking about that yes. is the backlash we've seen from all the sexual discrimination, yes. um, lawsuits that have come up, you know, across all industries, but yes. in the venture capital industry um, in particular, um, is that I've heard of a lot of VCs in Silicon Valley being coached to not meet with women entrepreneurs because it's too big of a risk to their reputation. Oh, wow. And is- so I'm, yeah, it's like bone chilling, right? It's, it's because the numbers are so low already of... Two point one nine percent. I think were the pitch book numbers for twenty seventeen holding studies six years in a row of you know companies with all female founders or a yeah. woman CEO who've gotten you know in terms of VC dollars. It's like two point nine percent are going to women. So um, that may actually go backwards a little bit.
0: Yeah, like it
1: before it it improves. And I think that this is work that we have to do culturally to work through this to come out the other side. But you know, I think that coaching maybe, maybe, you know, well-intentioned men in the venture capital industry of how do you continue to meet with women entrepreneurs, which is an imperative as an investor, you know, to be looking at these companies that have shown significantly better financial outperformance, to be investing in gender diverse teams. So what are the right ways to do that? And what are the right ways to be, you know, an effective board member on a women-led, you know, company's board? Because when you were talking about maybe, you know, saying about how women investors and women entrepreneurs have some kind of special connection, communicate better. What I was thinking of is, you know, it's less risky, you know, when it's a woman and a woman to
0: go to a bar to
1: have that conversation Absolutely. or, you know, call them late at night and whatever, you know, just there's less of a barrier there. Right. I um, and you know, there's not as many social, you know, norms that you have to work around. Or something. And so I think that's what's really difficult for a lot of, um, you know, men investing in, in women who just aren't sure, you know, what's appropriate and are concerned and maybe too concerned to even meet with them now, let alone invest with them. And so I think that would be a great, Women one
0: on topic. Thank you. <laughs> I'm gonna just definitely learn right how right to down.
1: do it. Do it.
0: <laughs> We're gonna do it. Uh, we'll figure out a way yeah. because it, I think it's super important at this point because, especially after the Me Too and after you know everything that's happened um, and the backlash against that and, and everything with it, to to get it to the point where like you're talking about the investors not even wanting to take a me- meeting with a with a woman um, founder. Right. It's, it's just, it's insane. Um, it should be going the other way, not backwards. We shouldn't be going backwards 50 years or more at this point. Um, we should be figuring out ways how to work with each other better. Um, you know, respectful for everybody because I think that's what was missing before. (laughs) So, um, um, anyway, so what does, um, investing in gender matter mean? (laughs) How Uh, do you see the um, impact?
1: Well, so I think that, you know, we talk about it really is a financial thesis. So when we, we, we just say, you know, here are the numbers, there's a lot of social dynamics. We can talk about maybe why things happen the way they do, but the money or the the dollars, you know, speak for themselves. And when there are more women leaders at the helm, companies do significantly better financially. Whether it's those publicly traded companies that you know was that first study I came across that McKinsey and company did, yeah. or small businesses, you know, American Express has looked at uh, at the, uh, you know big swath of small businesses where they define the most successful businesses as over ten million in revenue, and those are growing. The women led or women-owned small businesses that are successful are growing 50% faster than the male-led small businesses. And then when you look in the venture capital arena, there's, you know, a lot of different data points. But one of my favorites is, you know, First Round Capital, who is probably the most prolific investor in seed-stage investing. Um, About two years ago now, probably um, looked at a big... um, you know, decades worth of their investments and their exits and just mind it for whatever findings they might find without any agenda of what they were going to find, but found that 60, that their women, well, their companies with a woman founder, at least one woman founder performed 63% better than their, uh, their returns were 63% better than their all male founding teams, which is still like, I think it's the latest numbers are 83% or something of all venture capital-backed companies don't have a single woman on the executive team. So it's the vast, vast majority of VC-backed you know, companies still don't have a woman. But they perform 63% better when they have a woman. Like,
0: how is that so hard to, to compute? Like, how, right. how is that such a difficult concept to absorb? To, you know, yeah, so uh, I
1: that's what gender matters means to me. All right. As a as a first point, but there's lots of other layers to it. But I just try to stick with that one until you know the needle moves. <laughs>
0: yeah, hopefully, it's going to move quickly. Um, you're yeah. you're a female founder, like we talked about, um, and you're you're in VC, so you're 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 on both sides of the equation, right? Yes. Did you raise money for the brewing company, for the 512 Brewing? Okay. So, so but like, which one did you find easier? Being a female founder or being um, uh, a VC? Oh, well, I mean, it
1: almost doesn't count my female founding experience. I like started a business, um, but I was working full time. Well, my husband started the business. So I basically invested (laughs) in the business and, you know, put my strategic management consulting hat on and helped with the business plan and with the financing and all that kind of stuff.
0: That is a female Um, founder. That's not. Yeah, it's true.
1: It's true. It's yes, but it's very much his baby. And I you know (laughs) but it's our baby though it's our most expensive baby actually but
0: (laughs) (laughs) hopefully it's a little bit of fun too because it is a brewing company right so
1: yes exactly it's it's really he's living his dream this is his dream of like to do in retirement we ended up looking at the business model and looking at the opportunity and saying this is something we have to do now this is great and uh, it worked out really well and
0: so. Austin has got some spectacular beer. So um yeah, it's 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 a great environment to be for that as well. So um but is it do you find it easier to um like when you when you're interested in um taking on um a um a new um investor, like not new investor, a new uh huh. Hold on investment. <laughs> Thank you. When you're looking at female founders, they come to you with, okay, so this is who we are. What are you looking for? What, what are you interested in? What are what are yeah. your, let's talk about the company a little bit more and let's talk about what you're interested in, um, at True Wealth Ventures.
1: So we have a couple key investment criteria uh, where we put you know every company through these filters. One is has to have at least one woman of significant decision making influence on that founding early stage executive team. And then we're looking at investing in the markets of what we're calling sustainable consumer and consumer health. Mm-hmm. So we're leveraging the fact that eighty five percent of consumer purchase decisions are made by women, right. and and eighty percent healthcare decisions are made by women. So we think gender diverse teams. You know, in these markets where the vast majority of purchases are being made by women, we'll have an advantaged position in understanding that customer and market need a little bit better so they can design yeah. products that meet those pain points better right. and understand. Yeah, it's pretty, like, duh. self explanatory the investment thesis, <laughs> yet yeah, no one else is doing it. So, anyway... Um, so that's, so those are the first two filters that we, you know, actually we have some great venture fellows, uh, like interns Mm -hmm. that, um, put the companies through those filters. So then Carrie and I are looking at the companies that fit through those filters already. And, um, and then we look for probably the next big filter is that, we're looking for early-ish acquisition exits so we're a you know seed stage fund that's 20 million dollars so we have first investments of between like two hundred fifty and five hundred thousand dollars and we have two-thirds of our investment, Um, You know assets for follow on financing, Mm -hmm. but we're really looking at companies that will be very capital efficient and not need more than a series a maybe or maybe a series B um, and are looking at getting, you know, an acquisition within a pretty short timeframe so we can return the multiples that we need to, you know, to our investors. Um, it's a you know all vc funds are 10 years and so there's a certain type of company that we're looking for and we talk to the entrepreneurs very transparently up front about that of who are the potential acquirers and what do they value you know what kind of companies are they buying and what are the valuations that they're buying at and how are they calculating those valuations you know are they buying the team or the ip or the you know revenue and at what level does the revenue have to be you know to get on their radar so that's more the conversation that we look at and look at if we invest now. You know how many follow-ons do we expect, and how can we participate in those? And then what's the time frame for an acquisition, and what's the range of valuation we you know could anticipate for that acquisition? And does that get us the multiple we need? So, so that's that's what we really are looking for, looking at.
0: Okay. So you were talking about the team itself at the investment, uh, team. Um, you, what are the qualities that you're looking for in this team? Um, and, we, and one more question, have you funded yeah. anybody that's been like a solo, uh, like a one founder versus a team?
1: Well, we've, yes. So we've in, so you mean like where there's only one founder, yes. but there's a team under them already. Right. Yes, we've done that. Yes. So, um, so we've had three investments, one, uh, two of them have just a single founder and one has, a, you know, two
0: co-founders. Okay. What are the key qualities that you're looking for in, an, uh, besides the financial aspect? Because I think it's, it's more than that. I, I think you, you're also investing in the people that, um, Absolutely. so what are you looking for? Like things that matter, um, to you guys?
1: Uh, I think probably the biggest thing is, um, somebody who's really going to persevere and, and, well, I can, let me use two biggest things, perseverance, because it's going to get ugly no matter what, like even if, amen, like (laughs) it goes swimmingly, you know, it's never easy. Um, and so somebody who really has true grit and has hopefully demonstrated that, you know, previously, Um, In all cases, that's been the case that we've, you know, they've had history of showing that perseverance. Um, And then the second thing is transparency. I think, you know, investing in the early stage, especially, is really, people say it's like a marriage. I don't know if it's like a marriage, but it's obviously a very intimate type of, you know, relationship where you are in the trenches together and going through hard times together and, like, true colors are going to come out. And so you really need to be able to... Seriously trust that person and know or team know that they're going to bring challenges to you and, um, you know, work through them together and that there's trust um, and transparency on both sides. And so that's been key. When we look back at, you know, who we invested in, they told us things that were not something you would think you would, uh, you know, tell somebody that's potentially looking at your company as an investment. But that was so telling to us, you know, that they're being completely honest and that says more than, okay, okay, they're going to tell us everything, and we're going to be able to work through whatever it is together. Um, so those are the two top qualities. But i say a third, if I could have one, is uh, uh, knowing that, that they can pivot. You know, mm-hmm. because when we invest at the early stage, by the time it exits, it's going to be different than what we invested in on paper. You know? Right. It, it changes yeah it changes, and so somebody who can take input and pivot with the customer and the market changes um, and even investor you know changes whatever that uh, that they can adapt to the the changes that will for sure happen
0: mm-hmm. and they happen quick, so um, yeah. some you, you you have to think on your, th- on your feet like you really have to think on your feet and, and go with the market where it's where it's taking you basically um, so uh, I'm kind of done with the heavy, heavy hitters, <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> if that's okay. Um, what drives you and who's your inspiration or who's your inspiration? Uh, what gets you up I in the can... morning?
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, wait, wait, what was your last question? What gets you up in the morning? Oh, what gets me up in the morning. Well, I mean, I love my life. I have, uh, my dream job and two healthy, lovely children okay. and a husband, you know, who is wonderful and supportive and has his dream job. So it's, you know, pretty, I don't need like a reason. Like, I, yeah. I, I love getting up in the morning and doing what I do. Um, uh, but I'd say, uh, I didn't have any great role models actually that I looked up to, you yeah. know, that, that we're like oh wow that's what I want to be one day and so it took a lot of internal work to figure out what it is I wanted to do because I didn't have those role models and actually I realized I had lots of fantastic mentors and um, more importantly um, uh, what's the word not supporters Um, you know but people I think you know mentors are overrated in terms of people just giving you random advice Mm -hmm. I I think advocates Mm -hmm. I had a lot of advocates at work that pulled me up and challenged me and you know yeah so that was you know that that's where I give my most of my credit to in terms of like my career um trajectory and and um, learnings were those um advocates but um but I didn't want to do any job that I saw when I grew up you know and people kept on asking me the CEOs be like okay what do you want to do like uh, (laughs) <laughs> Nothing. Yeah. I don't see it. like who on my staff do you want their job? Like nobody. <laughs> <laughs> Nor do I want yours. And so then I realized like there's just a lack of people I could identify and like associate with and that's the biggest issue I'm trying to solve is that you know as women we don't see other women doing kinds of roles using their bingo. like feminine power
0: bingo you know
1: and so I realized the fastest way to fix that problem is not in the corporate world but funding fantastic you know women founders who have great ideas and who can kind of bypass that whole corporate infrastructure and then have these successful exits and, you know, reinvest in the community and have a lot of people, you know, seeing those as role models. So, um, so I really had to kind of think about what is it that I truly like to do and how and what's needed in the world and how can I match those things
0: up? That's fantastic. And, um, I'm so grateful again, I'm going to say that again, that, that you guys are doing this because it's needed. Um, and it's needed from an investor's point of view and it's needed from a consumer's point of view, because if we don't get the ideas that women have, you know, become reality, well, we're not taking care of half the market. So basically we're not being taken care of. So, um, awesome job you guys. Um, thank you so much. So let's go uh, a little bit deeper. What's your favorite book? Like, what is your favorite book, and what books do you give out as gifts, (laughs) if you do? Uh, Well, um, I think
1: my favorite book, even though it was not my favorite read at all, was um, Centered Leadership by Joanne Barsh, Mm -hmm. because that's what helped me go through those hard steps of realizing, you know, what it is that really you know, brings me energy and what drains me and what have I been good at and how do people perceive me and just, you know, it's really, she's a director from McKinsey and company and, uh, just does a fantastic, uh, job of helping, you know, peel the onion back on what really is, um, you know, your core, uh, purpose or, you know, what's your unique thing to do in the world? And so I think I put a lot of credit to that book of helping me identify what it was that I would, you know, to bring me to this um, fund. Um, And what I give out as a gift is a book called Get backed. Sorry, I've got a couple <laughs> on my shelf, <laughs> um, and it's about how do you. Uh, so this is to women entrepreneurs. So mm-hmm. How do you create a great um, pitch deck? Okay, and it has wow. lots of good examples. Oh, so that's I'm the one that end up giving out is gifts or whatever, or give to people just because it's a really good tutorial on how to make a great pitch deck.
0: I'm definitely going to read that. I have to, fairly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So what would be um, something that would surprise us to know about you? Besides the fact that you're a PhD in mechanical engineering, and you know, and this female founder and VC and um, highly intelligent and Berkeley and all that,
1: huh?
0: And mom. Uh,
1: <laughs> I don't know. Uh, well, I toured with the Grateful Dead back in the day. <laughs> Probably wouldn't recognize me.
0: (laughs) That's pretty awesome. All right, right, so one more question, and it's the final one, I promise. Um, If you have a billboard, what would you put on it, and where would you put it? Like a massive billboard, where would you put it?
1: I have no idea. Gosh. Huh. Well, Probably had to do with the brewery. So that's not going to be very inspirational. (laughs) (laughs) I do something about the brewery. Uh, you know, maybe what I would do right now is I, I really feel like Austin is um, particularly well um, positioned to be the number one city for women entrepreneurs because of the culture here and the success stories that we're having. And Dell did a really Dell Technologies yes. did a really interesting study um, for many years about future ready cities. Mm -hmm. And Austin was always in the top 10. These were, you know, global cities in terms of talent, uh, you know, IT connectivity, this kind of stuff, infrastructure. And, and then they put a gender lens on it a couple of years ago and Austin fell out of the top 10. And so then they really started, you know, understanding why, uh, what were the different dynamics in different cities that got them into the top 10 and found that uh, Austin fell out because of the lack of role models. And, um, I think we have a lot of fantastic role models. We've got, you know, the CEO of um, Bumble, Whitney um, Wolf here now, and Kendra Scott, which are, um, you know, billion-dollar valuation companies. And um, we have Heather Brunner from WP Engine, who has raised the yeah. uh, just closed a two hundred fifty million dollar round, which is the number three largest round ever raised by a woman entrepreneur. Wow. Um, and a whole host of, you know, like the CEO of Unaliware, which is one of our investments, who's had an incredible track record. of She's raised well over $100 million in VC financing, sold her last company, Texas Instruments, her company before that to Apple. Wow. So we have these amazing role models. So I think I would put a big billboard um, maybe on like I-35 <laughs> and you know, sixth street area or something, um, with all these women entrepreneurs that are just the fantastic role models in Austin. So people see it because if you can't see it. You can't be it. And I think just, you know, having those women up there would be, um, would move the needle even faster on Austin becoming the number one city for women
0: entrepreneurs. That's awesome. And that's actually, I'm going to, um, that's exactly what we're doing. We're, showcasing all these amazing women. And that's exactly what we're trying to do, be this massive billboard for everybody. And we can not be one billboard in one place, but we're gonna be one magazine in front of everybody. And we're promoting as many women as we can, um, because without role models, we don't know what we're gonna be like uh, when we grow up. We don't know what to strive for. So having somebody that you look up to and not necessarily following their steps, but you can see that it's possible It matters to every little girl because how else are we going to become, you know, CEOs? How else are we going to become, you know, billionaires basically? How else are we going to invest in other women? How else are we going to do that if we don't have the women that we can look up to? So that is phenomenal. It's absolutely phenomenal. So that's our mission too, which is really great and uh, so I want to thank you so very much for coming in on today's podcast I really appreciate it and uh, love the honesty and how straightforward you were about everything because we went kind of heavy on some stuff um, but uh, but it's it's fantastic and, and uh, I also want to say thank you for everybody tuning in and we'll have all of Sarah's information at the bottom of the podcast and uh, reach out to her and reach out to us so we can all bring a better future for women together thank you so much Sarah and I greatly appreciate
1: it
0: thank you <laughs> bye bye thanks everybody for tuning in today i greatly appreciate you staying with us the music for our podcast is graciously provided by our very own wonder woman cheryl b englehart check out her music and get your free music bundle at cbemusic.com Before I let you go, I'd like to mention again our first annual conference called More Women, More Money, coming up in January 16th in Houston, Texas. Our keynote speakers and panelists will focus on creating the space for bringing more women at the decision-making levels within corporations in a drive to, yes, bring about a more equal and fair business world, but also in a drive to increase revenue for corporations that subscribe to this business approach. To learn more, head on over to morewomenmoremoney.com and get your early bird t- ticket and stay up to date with speakers coming up and the other ways that you can get involved, including sponsorship. That's it for us today. We're grateful to have you with us on this journey to make our society a better place for all. So please remember to subscribe and share this with your friends. Till next week. Bye.